Navigating Business Podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high-quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. We're here with Gary Spagnoli, CEO of Zen Anchor. Gary works with a variety of clients in insurance, health and wellness, designing and implementing successful lead generation strategies at scale. Gary, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, thank you for having me, Nate. We're excited to, to talk to you and learn more about what you're doing. And second, I wanted to say your name, Zen Anchor, is definitely one of my favorites of all of our podcast guests so far. So you're going to have to tell us where that name came from and its meaning. Yeah, I'd love to hear more. Sure. So thank you for complimenting on the name. I mean, the first reason we decided to proceed with the name Zen Anchor is because the domain was available. So <laughs> at like two in the morning, whenever it was thought of by me, I just went and I checked out the DNS provider that we used to see if it was available and I bought it right away. <laughs> so that, that's ultimately why the business ended up going down that route. The name itself, the way it came about is back in, I guess around 2013, I read the book Zen and the Art Motorcycle Maintenance. It's actually hmm. hanging on a shelf right in front of me here. That book influenced me from a philosophical standpoint, but of course, also from a business standpoint. And also at the time, I was freelancing. And so I had a lot of volatility in terms of the different types of client relationships. In some cases, I was doing web design. In some cases, we were doing pay-per-click advertising, Google ads. So it was kind of all over the place at the start. And so I felt as though I needed to anchor things down into one, one organization, one company. And so even before it was a brand, I buy the domain and then I set that up as the LLC name. And I wasn't even sure we were going to use it as the brand, but eventually I was like, I like the idea enough. Let's proceed with it. So it probably took three or four months before I officially used it though as the business name. So that's where that's it came amazing. from. I love yeah. that. It, it brings me back to, to the, the same process for me when I was looking for domain names. Now I didn't get up at two in the morning to get mine. So yours, yours is a little more epic there, but that's great. So tell us a little bit about what you do at Zen Anchor, who you work for, all that good stuff. Sure. So Zen Anchor is an online marketing agency that focuses on direct response marketing. So that could be on the lead generation side, or it could be on the sales side. We specialize primarily in the insurance and the health and wellness space. So examples of that would be brick and mortars, like dental offices, dentists, private practice doctors, chiropractic centers. We offer advertising for some of those smaller businesses, but also we do work in the insurance space, primarily on the direct consumer side. So dental insurance, medical insurance, you know, we're actually working on potentially some in the pet space as well. Yeah, the, it's primarily in the health and wellness and the insurance verticals. We've also done stuff in the tech and startup space. And right now, yeah, we do have a couple clients on that front as well. Well, I, I was checking out your website before our call and kind of getting back to the name too. It really displays both words in the name Zen and Anchor. And, and there's a lot of kind of cool images and, and kind of video in the background of the website. And on the website, you know, you're mentioning SEO, you're mentioning PPC. For someone who's a small business owner who doesn't know kind of what those terms mean, no, they may know generally, all right, this is related to Google in some way or search engines. 
Can you describe the difference between those, the importance of those, and, and kind of why someone would choose to go with one or the other? Or yeah, any other insights you can give related to that? Sure. So let's talk about the difference between SEO and PPC. First, on the SEO front, SEO stands for search engine optimization. The purpose of any SEO strategy is to increase the visibility of your business online. You want to do this primarily in the search engines themselves. So the idea is that we want to increase volume of traffic, volume of eyeballs, so impressions, and then ultimately volume of leads that are coming through search. This requires a little bit more of a long-term game plan. So the difference between that and PPC, pay-per-click advertising, or what's sometimes called search engine marketing slash paid digital advertising as a whole, is that on the digital ad buy front, that allows you to allocate capital or set a budget to get immediate traffic or results to your site. It's a little bit more cost intensive to set up an ad campaign and to line out what a pay-per-click strategy would look like, but it does give you the benefit of speed and it allows you to test and learn quicker. So on the SDO front, if you know you have product market fit and you understand your personas fairly well, that can influence your overall SEO strategy and give you some time to build out and grow organically. And in many situations, it can be more cost effective, but it just takes a bit more time. On the pay-per-click front, if you allocate a budget, you can immediately start deploying that budget to start testing out to see what type of messaging works, what type of audiences may be relevant. Do Facebook ads do better than Google ads? Or where are they hanging out in terms of my potential customers? And so oftentimes we do SEO and pay-per-click together. But if you are a smaller business, I think that it's important to distinguish whether you understand who your potential customer is before you decide one over the other. Because pay-per-click, yeah, we could test and learn. SEO gives us a little bit of yeah, the long-term play here. Yeah, that's great. That's very interesting. So kind of in, this, in the same vein of questioning, I guess, thinking about all the other methods outside of those two, and that's a very helpful distinction. But if we're thinking about you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, so many channels of marketing, where, where would you suggest business owners even start? And, and I, I know that's probably a pretty broad question because there's so many different types of businesses. And like you said, so many different types of audiences, but what are kind of even just the starting points for someone who's just trying to venture into, all right, I know I need to expand my digital marketing audience and my reach. Where do I start with that? Yep. So I'll give a strategic framework and then let me just give you some like meat and potatoes of real things you should just do immediately. So from a strategic layout, this is the methodology that we use at Zen Anchor whenever we're working with a smaller business that is first dipping their toe into digital marketing online. We're going to operate in about four to five phases here. First phase, we need to get into a discovery process. During that discovery process, we want to know what our competitors are up to. We want to know what our influencers are up to. We want to analyze what the market looks like as a whole. It's basically market research to gives a sense of you know, what the market may be interested in and what it's demanding now. The second phase is we start designing assets. So during this period, we're going to start designing what a campaign could look like. You know, are we going to run a Facebook ad campaign? 
what type of audiences did we find during that first phase of market research? And what type of ad copy are we seeing? What type of creative? Are they doing mostly video ads? And what are those video ads about from some of our competitors? What kind of video ads stand out to us from influencers that are not directly in our industry? So we start designing assets during that period. The third phase, we then start testing. So we deploy these assets out and start to test to see if anyone is interested or reacting positively to any of these marketing campaigns. I'm talking small tests too. You would be spending like five, $10, $20 per day to just start seeing what type of audiences and what type of ad creative may generate results. From the testing phase, fourth phase is then we get into an analysis phase. So we start, you know, you really wanna be live for at least two weeks and you start to do an analysis on, okay, which ad channel worked well, which creative worked well, which audiences worked well, or at least better than others. From that anal analysis phase, you then switch over to the fifth phase, which is either optimize and scale, so take what you see is working, or get back into a new testing phase. We're gonna be testing out new creative. If I was a small business owner right now, that is a methodology that you can use for pay-per-click, but there's a couple things that I would do immediately. First, you got to get on things like Google My Business if you're a brick and mortar and you have to check out websites like yext.com and focus on what's called listing management. You want to get your name as far out there as possible on any of these business directories. There's a website called noem.com, K-N-O-W-E-M.com. It will allow you to register your brand name on over 200 social media sites at once. I'm not affiliated with wow. any of these companies. It's so valuable for just getting your brand name out there and it's just easy. So if you are in the process of dabbling online, you really want to own your brand on all of these platforms and it will have an SEO implication too because every one of those directories or social media sites where you register your brand name or your company name you could then inc include a link back to your site. You'd include the same company description. In some cases, you could list out your services. You will see an immediate impact on your SEO results, at least for your brand name, right away. That's one that is like a layup immediately <laughs> that people should be doing. And then you start to focus, depending on your market, you know, where your audience is, where your potential customer is, and then you start to make more optimizations there. We are in the professional services space at Zen. We get leads all the time from platforms like Quora.com because we have a company profile on Quora.com, which is a Q&A website, and we answer questions on it casually. It's not even that formulated, uh, formulaic of a strategy. And we know our customers are asking questions about marketing or about Facebook ads or about Google ads. And so we offer real value on those platforms. And I got to tell you, it leads to leads regularly, and those are free leads. And then the time commitment is not that significant. So after you get on these business directories, there's always an opportunity to look to see which of these types of social media and business directory sites your customer may be, and then start being active on them. Start trying to be active on those ones in particular. Yeah, that's really insightful. And, and I know for our listeners who are small business owners who maybe are not sure about how to navigate the digital marketing realm, you're basically being a, a trailblazer right now for them and giving a lot of great insights. So I love that. So thanks for sharing. So kind of pulling back from, from the digital marketing realm and, and you know, your specific areas of, of expertise, we're thinking about business ownership as a whole. Tell us a little bit about 
how you got into being a business owner and, and a little bit about what that process has been like, you know, not only doing what you do and what you're passionate about, but, but wearing all the different hats of business owner. Yeah. The game of entrepreneurship in around 2013, I was working at a company called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I'd worked at a, a digital marketing agency, a big agency in New York. I didn't study marketing. I learned programming on my own while I was in college and I was working for companies. So I had a job first learning how to make websites, but then I was more interested in some of the strategic components of making those websites. Like what type of copy should it be saying? Where does it stand in the marketing funnel? And that's how I got pulled more into the marketing, how the business started, how I started in the entrepreneurial realm. I didn't love my job. I hated my job. So I had saved some money and in 2013, you know, some of my friends were still in academia. They were still in graduate school. And I was upset that I had to come back to the office in New York. And when I came back, I was like, oh, I have some of this money saved. And I said, you know what? I think I really just want to quit my job. And it was kind of off the cuff. Like I just, I just, left. <laughs> I, I, I quit like a full-time salary, well-paying job because I knew that I could freelance and at least make websites. And then I thought I was going to live this like little digital nomad life where I could bounce around the world. And it was, you know, you have to be a little bit insane. And I <laughs> didn't have any real clients yet, but I did have savings. Within three months, I brought back on my former employer and they were one of my first clients. Wow. It's, it's important to note though, I actually had two other business partners at this time where basically I was like, hey, I'll make websites. You guys help in some of these other areas. I freelanced from 2013 to 2015, highs and lows. We're talking $1,000, $1,000 project, $2,000 project. I discovered along the way that I wanted to shift more towards ongoing retainer work, which meant that we build a strategic relationship. It's not just project-based. And that's when things started to shift more towards pay-per-click advertising and digital marketing and, or ongoing marketing campaigns as opposed to just web development. And by 2015, I partnered with a business consultancy that needed digital support. And they helped shift us away from just small businesses and working with really blue chip clients. So then I started working with companies like Guardian Insurance, Avis Car Rental, Budget Car Rental. We were just a small piece of this, but they basically needed digital support and we grew through having that partnership. But the first couple of years, highs and lows. But over time, you start to get, you start to niche down. You niche down, you get a little bit deeper into specific services and you try to focus in those areas so that you could specialize and be the go-to person for anyone that's in your network. There's a great book that I really like called Million Dollar Consulting. It's such a corny name. Such a cheese ball name. But the theory in that book that this individual, you know, is a business consultant, MBA type of fella. And he he has a theory that you could trace the majority of your business growth usually back to only two or three people or or successful projects. And so there's probably only two or three partners that helped us, referred us enough work to give us the foundation to build an actual business, to switch from being a freelance company, me freelancing, to be able to actually hire employees and 
eventually we had an office. We got rid of that because that's not necessary any longer, but <laughs> that's amazing. I, I love the story. I love whenever anyone's like, yeah, I just quit the job. I was, I was moving on. You know, I, I love the, like you said, the abrupt change. That's great. And I, I definitely resonate with the feeling of, of just struggling to go back to, to work. I felt the same back at my previous job before becoming an entrepreneur as well. So I know that well. I didn't leave as abruptly as you did. So I give you props for that, for the, the courage to do that. That's great. Yeah. So you mentioned one book there. I know you have a lot of other great kind of business development books that, that you've read or are reading. Any uh, recommendations for us you can give? Oh, man. Let me think. Well, right now I'm reading a book called Managing with Power that was recommended to me by a, a very close friend and a colleague of mine. Managing with Power... The premise of the book is giving some insight as to how to be a better leader. It is, I think, a Harvard Business Review book. I forget the author's name, but there's a lot of insight in that. It's, it's a bit of an older book. I really like that. A couple others. I love everything that Jason Fried puts out. He's the founder of Basecamp, or I think a co-founder, based here in Chicago. We use Basecamp as our project management tool here at Zen, and I think a lot of their cultural insights as to how to organize a business are very valuable. Another, I love Cal Newport, famously wrote Deep Work, which is probably his most popular book. I think that's a really solid one. I try not to read any book that comes out within the past 12 months. This is something, I don't know, a little bit odd, but I don't try to catch the latest trend in business books. Sometimes it's better to read some of the older pieces. Nate, actually, I think the first time we met, there's a book that I, I had recommended to you which is called Managing a Professional Services Firm. So if anybody's listening to this podcast and is basically running a law firm, an accounting firm, or any sort of professional service firm, this book is like 50 plus years old and it's extremely valuable. There's literally tables as to how you could structure your organization in terms of the amount of employees that should be attributed to each account. There's just a lot of gems in it. That's a great insight. Business is one of those things that there's always new trends and always the new next best thing. So that's an interesting thought to kind of kind of look back instead of always looking forward to the to the newest ones. Thinking about business development and your journey as an entrepreneur, for you know maybe yourself when you were starting your business, or for someone who's who's just getting into the world of entrepreneurship now, what's an insight or two that that you'd share with them to try to help propel them towards? success. And I know you mentioned the highs and lows and it being a roller coaster ride, which it definitely is. But what are one or two things that entrepreneurs could take away that maybe could take away some of those lows or at least minimize them? (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that there's value in, and it sounds a little cheesy. And sometimes I do roll my eyes at a lot of these like self-help gurus of sorts. But there really is a lot of value in investing directly in yourself in ways. I'll give you three. You should be focusing on improving yourself in terms of you know, research and intelligence and reading. So from an educational standpoint. Second, you should focus on your health, making sure that you don't necessarily have to go to the gym, but there needs to be some sort of physical healthy component. And third is creative. You should be experimenting regularly. All three of these things roll up into if you're going to be the leader of your company and you're an entrepreneur, stuff bleeds out from you subconsciously or unintentionally. And so the more you improve yourself, the more it will have an impact on other team members that you bring on. I think it's one of the most critical elements because 
you help define the culture then. And it's something I've, I've noticed over the years as I've brought on more team members that, you know, the language that is used, the, the culture gets built subconsciously. And so you need to make sure that you are consistently improving yourself and challenging yourself in the entrepreneurial path. I got to say, I, w- I would have made more money if I worked in house somewhere. So get ready to be independent and on your own, but you have to give yourself a framework so that you can find success. And maybe those three things that I referenced, you know, it gives you some guidelines. That's interesting about culture. Cause I think we hear the importance of culture in a company, but it's not always clear how you actually create culture. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's not something you can just say, all right, team, like we're, we're meeting today. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to create the culture in this meeting. But like you said, it's interesting to know that it, it bleeds off you even when you're not aware of it. So I think that's really an interesting point to think about. Well, Gary, I, I'm sure you could share hours more on, on business and marketing, but I don't want to take too much of your time. So I greatly appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. Thanks for sharing your insights. What's the best place for people to, to get in contact with you or learn more about Zen Anchor? Sure. Just check out our website or just Google us. We're an SEO firm. So you can just Google <laughs> Zen or just go to www.zenanchor.com. You can reach out to us from there. Great. I will put that information in the description b- below the podcast as well. So people can find you on LinkedIn or Google with that hard fought for domain name, right? Zenanchor.com. So anyways, yeah. Gary, thanks again for your time. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you listeners for navigating business with us this week. We'll see you next time on the Navigating Business Podcast.